Well, our story begins this morning where most Bible stories seem to begin. Begins in desperation. Things are really bad. The story begins in barrenness. How can anything good come out of barrenness? It can't. All hope is lost. Abram's family is coming to an end. The first words we heard read this morning were these. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Right here at the very beginning, we discover that Sarai cannot have children. When we hear this proclamation, our reaction, if we think deeply about it, is one of sadness for her and Abram, and rightly so. We are sad because we know the joy that children bring to a family. We know that children give us hope for the future. Our own children are here today, and their presence gives us hope for now and for our future. But this is not the case for Abram and Sarai. Their story is not going to have a happy ending. The problem is, it gets worse. As we listen closely to the story, we discover there is more than her not having, being able to have children going on here. This is a story of hopelessness and despair. Everything that has happened to this point in the Old Testament is about to come to an end. The storyline through which God has chosen to make himself known to this world is coming to an end. This story that began 20 generations earlier with Adam and Eve and continued through Noah's family is now coming to an end. What will come of Abram's family? What will come of these people through whom God is telling his story? These are questions we really don't want to answer because we already know the answer. Their existence will end. God's story will end. As we watch in disbelief, the movie of the story concludes with these words. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. It's as if the movie has now come to an end. And we see those words across the screen, the end. I remember when I watched the third episode, the third part of the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, and seeing those two words in cursive in that unique font that they used in that movie. The first two movies I saw, I knew something else was coming. But at the end of the Lord of the Rings, that was it. There is no more. And I had this sense of, that's it. No more. Uh, there's no George Lucas in this story. That's it. The end. And our hearts sink. But then, out of hopelessness, out of loss, out of death, 
out of barrenness, out of his amazing grace, God breaks into the story. Did you hear it? God breaks into the story. He enters the scene unexpectedly. But if we were to recall the God we encountered last week, a God who restores, we should not be surprised that he would do such a thing. In a gentle and compassionate voice, out of darkness, out of the darkness of barrenness, God calls this couple into a relationship with him and into life. Into the brokenness and barrenness of this couple who seems so hopeless to us, God speaks these words. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household into the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Did you hear the words? God says to Abram, come out of your hopelessness. Come out of your darkness. Come out of your barrenness and follow me. God encounters Abram in a brand new way. He invites Abraham to find life in him alone. All other attempts at life have failed. God is the only place where life will be found. I wonder if these words speak at all to us. I wonder if we ever find ourselves as people who feel hopeless. I wonder if we ever feel like we are walking in darkness. I wonder if we ever feel like our lives are barren. I wonder if the same God who was about to do something new in the lives of these two ordinary people would do something new in us. I wonder, is it possible that whenever we follow God, we encounter life? Well, in the midst of their barrenness, God says to Abram, go to a land that I will show you. What great faith it must have taken him to just go. But that's not all God said. If he would have ended his call right there, it would have been fabulous. It would have been great. It would have been enough. God's call is all that's needed to receive life. And they could have a wonderful relationship with God if that's all he had promised. But with God, you can always expect the unexpected. And that's exactly what we see in our story. God determines that it is not enough to give Abram and Sarai life. He wants to give them more. This righteous God initiates a covenant with them. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. 
and all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Do you hear what God is saying? I will give you a people. I will give you a land. And I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world. What does God require of Abraham in return? One thing. God wants him to say yes. Yes to life and yes to the blessings he wants to bestow upon him. So what does Abram do? Does he say yes? Absolutely. You bet he does. He says yes with everything within him. He says yes to life. He says yes to the blessings that will come with it. He says yes to being completely sold out to this God that has called him. Now, I need you to know something about Abraham. Um, he doesn't always live up to his yes faithfully. Sometimes he questions. Sometimes he flat out blows it. And sometimes we wonder if he's really going to make it. But sometimes we get a glimpse of his commitment to God. It really is a lifelong journey for him. I suppose this is the reason that I love the Abram story so much. In one moment, he is a man of great faith. And it seems that the next moment, well, he is a man of great doubt. As I listen to his struggles and his successes, I am given hope. Because, to be honest with you, I'm a lot like him. Moments of great faith and moments of great doubt. One of those bright moments of his journey is found in a great little story that is a little bit further down the road in chapter 15 of Genesis. It takes place 10 years after this promise that God has made with Abram. And in that chapter, Abram expresses concern because after walking with God for 10 years, there is still no child. So basically what Abram does is he reminds God of his covenant and offers a way out for God. Apparently what you meant is Eliezer, my servant, will be my heir. I laugh when I hear this because I often find myself doing the same thing. I make my own plans as if I need to protect God's reputation or help him out just a little bit to fulfill the things he said he would do. God responds to Abram by telling him that he will have a son of his own flesh and his heart will be, uh, excuse me, and his heirs will be as many as the stars. And in verse 6 of that chapter, we encounter one of the most significant statements of the entire Old Testament. It is significant. Uh, as Pastor Andrew would say, you might want to write this down. I didn't say that right, did I? If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. His belief in what God said 
put him in right relationship with God. In the 1800s, there was a man from France whose name was Charles Blunden. The people of his time actually knew him as the Great Blunden. He was known for being the world's greatest tightrope walker. And as legend has it, he was invited to the United States to tightrope over Niagara Falls. Of course, he accepted the challenge. And on June 30, 1859, the great Blunden appeared. And he climbed up that giant tower next to the falls. And he got to the top of the tower and he yelled to the crowd that had gathered around, How many of you believe I can walk across the tightrope? If you believe I can do it, wave your hands. And the crowd waved. And the crowd waved. And the crowd waved. Thank you very much. This is a little uh, audience participation here. So the great Blunden took his pole, tested the wire, and walked 1,100 feet across the cross crashing waves of Niagara Falls below until he reached the tower on the other side and the crowd cheered. And he motioned for them to be quiet and said, How many of you believe I can walk back across a tightrope, this time pushing a wheelbarrow? If you believe I can do it, wave your hands. And of course the crowd waved. And so he took the wheelbarrow that was stationed on the tower, put it out in front of him on the wire, and carefully walked back across the tightrope until he got to the tower on the other side and the crowd cheered. He motioned for them to be quiet again and said these words, How many of you believe that I can walk back across the tightrope, pushing the wheelbarrow with someone sitting in it? If you believe I can do it, wave your hands. And the crowd waved excitedly. And he motioned them to be still and asked a final question. Who will climb in the tower, up the tower and get in my wheelbarrow? Well, as the story goes, no one climbed the tower and got in the wheelbarrow. Our Old Testament friends would tell us they did not believe the great Blunden could do it. When the Old Testament says that someone believed, it has a bit of a different meaning that we usually think of when we think of believing. When we think about it, we usually think of mental assent, about knowing something. We believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4. We believe it. But in Abram's day, to believe something means you put that belief into action. You acted upon it. It is more than just that you know it, that that knowing somehow translates to the heart and then to action. So how do we know that Abram really believed? Well, almost immediately following this encounter with God in chapter 15, Abram brings a number of animals to God. It's an interesting, a little bit disgusting scene. As Abram brings these animals, and he cuts them in half. 
Obviously, he kills them first, cuts them in half, and puts half of their bodies on one side and half of their bodies on another. This would not have been uncommon in the day because this is how you make covenant. Only something very interesting happens in this story. Abraham does not walk between the pieces as would be custom. Instead, a smoking pot appears that moves between the pieces. It is a symbol of God himself. God is the one sealing this covenant, not Abraham. God is the one at risk, not Abraham. Because you need to understand the reason for these cut pieces of animal that are on the side is because the person who walks through, in this case, God himself, is saying to the other person in covenant, if I do not fulfill my part of the covenant, then what has happened to these animals shall certainly happen to me. God's serious. And Abraham enters into covenant with God in this moment. It's a pretty fabulous moment. So will God always keep his part of the covenant? Absolutely. Absolutely. Will Abraham always keep his part? <laughs> Do we? No, we don't. There are times that we will fail. But when we're in a relationship with God who makes covenant with us, all he asks is that we continue to walk with him and allow him to create life in us. Because that is the only place where life is found. We will see later in chapter 26 of Genesis, uh, after Abram's death, that God says to his son Isaac, I will bless you because your father Abraham, well, he obeyed me and he kept my requirements, my commands, and my decrees. He didn't do it perfectly, but as we walked together, he learned what it meant to live with me, to have life. What a great story. One that makes us move from despair at the beginning to cheering at the end. What a great story and what a great way to end it. But if that's all it is, we miss it. I wonder, does this story really come to an end? Is it possible that this same God that called Abram and Sarai to leave their hopelessness, to leave their darkness, to leave their despair, to leave their barrenness, does the same to us? Is it possible that the same God who so desperately desires to give Abram and Sarah life also wants to give it to us? Is it possible that the same God who makes a covenant with Abram and Sarai and calls them into a relationship with him also wants to enter into a covenant with us? A covenant that leads to life giving relationship with him. God call, God's call is a call to abandon those things in life 
that lead to barrenness. Abram and Sarai abandoned security. A security that left them barren to risk following God, which brought them life. He calls us to come with eyes closed, just like Abram. He calls us to risk it all. This is the way out of barrenness. To stay in safety is to remain barren. To risk it all and accept God's invitation to walk with Him is where we find life. Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life must lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Let's leave the barrenness that this world offers and receive the gracious gift of life that God offers. Let's pray. Father, as I sat listening to the words that were being spoken and the songs that were being sung this morning as we worshiped you, I could not believe that you were leading me to this text. Uh, to be honest with you, it seems that this text is really a little too close to home these days. Darkness and despair and barrenness are are very evident around us. But in the midst of that, we recognize a God who in many ways unexpectedly breaks in to those things of our lives and brings life. A life that is forever changing and a little bit risky to be honest. And yet you have called us to that risky life of following you. I am thankful for people like Abram who in the midst of hardship and desperation models for us what it means to walk with a God who turns our despair into life because he is a righteous God a God who enters into a relationship with us, not because we deserve it, but because of who he is. And so we recognize you for that this morning. And we would ask, Father, that if there are any among us today that feel like they are living in darkness, that feel like they are living in barrenness, that they would hear the soft, gentle voice of a God who says, leave the place where you are living, where you are finding despair, and come and follow me. Because in me, you will find life. Thank you for being the one that calls, for the one who always initiates this covenant with us. 
And as we turn in our service now to really celebrate the greatest covenant that you have ever made with humanity, may we remember what a faithful God you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.